This is We Can't Call It The Enterprise, a podcast not about Star Trek. I'm Valerie. And I'm Scott. I seem to recall you saying that this was one of your favorite episodes. Uh, yeah, I like this one. I like, uh, I don't know, I think that um, basically it's just because I think cavemen are hilarious and I would like self-describe as a bit of a caveman. So... <laughs> I have to admit the uh, the costuming was pretty comedic, including like jumping ahead Daniel's horrific monobrow. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's somehow like the opposite of Klingon eyebrows, while still being very overgrown eyebrows. It's just like one big bit of fuzz. Yeah, I yeah I thought the makeup was pretty good, but yeah, I especially liked. I don't know. I guess we'll get to it, but. I guess the episode starts in the briefing room and they're kind of solving a word problem. It's like, well, we got the first four symbols. We got to find out like where, like where did Apophis... They're doing that thing where they're trying to figure out where Apophis went based on a combination of like eyewitness reports plus the cartouche information that they're still processing. Yeah. Where could, Apos- where could Apophis possibly have gone? And Teal'c is there not being super helpful. You would think he would have something to say, like, oh, yeah, well, we should check these out. These are his normal haunts, but instead they go to, you know, the planet of the Stone Age. Yeah, did you did you get a look at the uh, the way that Marine guy was looking at Teal'c in the briefing room? I got a couple weird faces from that Marine. Yeah, well, I think, is, is he the, uh, he ended up attacking Teal'c later on, right? Um, was that him? It wasn't the lead Marine. The lead brain is the one main one that was like making stupid faces in the beginning. Okay, okay. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they had like a specifically marine team kind of distinguished as an SG team. SG3, I think it was. Yeah, and they kind of roast each other a little bit. They're like, they've got the whole, oh, you're from the chair force <laughs> thing going on with uh, as, yeah. as I guess... Uh, armed forces uh like people in the armed forces kind of roast each other so there was a bit of that then they uh kind of skipping ahead here but they kind of end up they go to the planet a dark planet apparently which didn't look that dark um they made a so i have some comments about the dark planet yeah that was insane in the briefing mission where they basically go okay it's got an atmosphere like temperature checks out one more thing we couldn't see anything, even though there's like lights on the map and we don't know what's going on, but we're not going to check again. We're just going to send you through anyway. Yeah. And uh, you would think that this, this like, Stargate. So, so many times in Stargate, that kind of thing happens where it's like, oh, something's fishy, but we're going to go anyway. And it's a disaster. It winds up being like the top of a mile high drop or something. Like, it's not an unrealistic problem to encounter in this series. Yeah, that's true. I would, you know, I would definitely say, you know, maybe send a map with working lights. You would also think, though, that the Stargate itself would light up the surrounding area. Yeah, I'd agree. So, and then the thing is, once they get through to the planet, it's, like, not super dark. Um, so. Yeah, it's, like, standard dimly lit. Yeah, exactly. Although that, that like, forest scene makes me kind of curious about how how film companies tend to do nighttime scenes now. Because, like, in the olden days, they basically just did it in the day and put, like, a shitty filter on the camera. Yeah. Because I know most film works very, very poorly in dim lighting. 
but it looks very realistic nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how they would have done that. But did you did you also think about how the part of the planet that was super dark that was like supposedly always dark had a massive forest? Yeah, I didn't totally pick up until the end on the whole like light side, dark side thing. I thought it was meant to be metaphorical at first. I mean it it was, but they kinda they they well, did the, I didn't realize it was also literal. Yeah, the, yeah, they did the uh it was a metaphor, but yeah, they did the literal stuff and it ended up, uh, you know, like there were, there were a couple of obvious mistakes. One of them being the, the side of the planet with, uh, lots of plant life would probably also be the side with the sun, you would think. Yeah. And the fact that apparently they can just easily go through the entire, like fifth of the planet or so that's in twilight in a reasonable period of time. Cause they go from just like night to pure day yeah it's it's reality that's that huge gradient. literally it's literally like a drawn line it's like yep. okay i mean yeah can you imagine if that's how like dawn worked you just woke up it's like the planet is one of those cartoon little like light on light off symbols yeah yeah, yeah. so premise of the planet is a little bit um that was, I don't know, I think it was just kind of fun to poke holes and all that. But anyway, Daniel, they, they see basically a group of cavemen in their night vision goggles. And, you know, they're doing caveman stuff. And then a whole bunch of people dressed dressed like clansmen show up and they start throwing rocks at the cavemen. And they take away, they take away like, one of the, uh, somebody who'd been captured by the cavemen back to yeah, there was one person who Daniel indicated was clearly not some kind of ambiguous cave person. It was clearly yeah, just a yeah, he's doing decisions. some like uh, anthropology there. He's like, well, based on the size of their uh, big brow, that could be this, but that doesn't make sense because they're missing this. And so, you know, he's trying to figure out what exactly is going on. See, what he's really doing is he's just Danieling it up because he's asked a fairly simple question and he does that thing where he just yeah. does the scientific non-answer. Which you think he'd learned at this point and did not do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then they, the the untouched, as we learned that they're called, bring everyone back to... What do you think? Do you think those clan outfits were there as like a, like a infection prevention measure? I mean, they thought it was a curse, but... Oh, that's my thought. I mean, probably like... Yeah, because they thought it was curse, it was probably more mystical, because certainly those would be probably less effective than normal clothing for most infection protection. Like pure, pure colors and kind of cover the face against things that are bad is a fairly classic take. on Yeah. Like so the places. untouched are, you know, trying to avoid becoming touched, I guess. And, you know, they, they kind of, they have like the, I don't remember what they call it, the quarantine circle or whatever. So they kind of understand that they have to keep people away from other people to prevent the spread of the caveman disease, uh, which is awesome. I really, you know, some, sometimes I think <laughs> that a lot of, like a lot of people New band name. have this caveman disease. will get it for a period of a day or two, but then like nobody really notices. What's that phrase that you use to describe like men who just can't behave themselves when oh. they have like one drink? Well, I thought it was, it was a good wasn't it just gorillas or, uh, 
yeah yeah basically <laughs> yeah, it's, it's i mean that's yeah it's basically like it this is this is like a night at the it's actually it's kind of like a night at the club um you just run around and everyone's like uh ooking about you know beating their chests and everything like it's fully i don't know i just find this fascinating because sometimes when i look at the face of a human being i truly just see like the face of a monkey and i am just sort of reminded by how <laughs> close we are to like just primates and it's funny because our least favorite animals at the zoo are often primates yeah because I they're so annoying and so are we <laughs> it's like you just <laughs> dial down the tiny veil that's one take. Like, and that's why it's called the broken divide i guess yeah it's like you take down the tiny veil between us and like a very primitive animal and it's like you know just descend into madness uh so anyway obviously daniel's fascinated by this whole idea uh so he wants to study the minoan culture i don't actually think i've ever read about the minoans what are the like where were they uh apparently they like cows let me uh let me just give that a quick uh so i thought the minoan looked kind of uh, so they're basically greeks Yes, and that's it's funny because somebody said, "Oh, I would do my living room like this," and I was like, "Oh boy, yeah." So the Minoans, <laughs> the Minoans are Greeks, yeah, but yes, I mean, yeah, so. it was definitely tacky. And and again, I was kind of looking at uh, like remember last time we were talking about <laughs> we were talking about uh, like uh, the the costume room conversation where it's like, okay, well, we need some with uh, plenty of bodice, but not too much. In this in this case, it's like I don't know what they would what they would call it, but like you know, think think like deep thrift store, like like a deep thrift store that's themed like a paboom or something like that. What's a paboom? Paboom. It's like a, sh- a store where you get dumb knickknacks, and it's like think think like old lady, but instead of having a weird cat thing, she has a weird cow thing. <laughs> <laughs> and like every you know every like pillow has like a cow on it it's what? like one of those velvet pillows with a cow on it and you can like rub your hand on it and it changes like the when you change the gradient of the pillow for it like changes the color but like it's got a cow on it instead of a cat the other thing about that room that really jumps out at me is it feels like it's like the same room that they use for like oh here's a room full of sand like here's here's a throne room like it feels like there's the same set area. Something, something about like the vague structure and dimensions just seems so familiar. That like every episode we see that room. Yeah, I was. Do you think it was the same room that they? Uh, it's like remember in episode one when they like uh, walked up, walked into Chulak, um, and they sat around eat, like that table eating the meal. Maybe I was more thinking about like the the gate room they had, where it's like the big rectangular room. And then, like, some pillars and stuff lining the walls. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the, the room is, the room's very uh, tacky. I mean, I guess it is nicer than my apartment, but it's obviously <laughs> done by a, a crazy old woman who has a thing for cows. But, I mean, Jack is done with this. He's like, these people are just, you know, useless. Let's go. And then Daniel has the science versus military discussion, which is pointed out by... 
General Hammond, uh, and it sounds like the president sided with Daniel. That scene was kind of interesting because I feel like they almost cut out a joke because it it starts off with them desperately trying to explain why they want to stay. It was actually there was a pretty good scene from Daniel earlier where the general asks them if there's anything to report, and Jack just says nothing, and Daniel in like five or so sentences, every single one punctuated with "sir," explains what they found to Hammond. So yeah, they're kind of doing the like, hey, we need to get study for the scientific value in this and the cultural value in this. And there was, it felt kind of weird because in reality, while well, Daniel cares, like his top priority is finding his wife and the writers seem to kind of forget that. And the other thing is I feel like they almost cut out a joke because it's like they've already won before the conversation starts, yet they get into that whole conversation point before Hammond goes, oh, by the way, this is the official mandate. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was funny. I think they were just trying to call attention to the, you know, the sci- the scientist versus the military argument. But you know, in this case, I guess the scientist uh, wins. It's a much more so, interesting show when the scientist wins, usually. Oh, of course. Yeah, if they just went around like, are there are there any giant space guns here? No. Okay. Well, let's go then. <laughs> like, can you like? They just go through the Stargate and they just take a quick look around and they're like, is there a giant space gun? No. I And like, I can't even see it from the gate. <laughs> what the military wants to do in that is the equivalent of what Apophis wanted to do when he was searching for wives. It's just like, oh, pop my head in. Let's like do some quick swipes. Let's dunk out without actually checking anything out. Yeah. They just want to do Stargate drive-bys. Yeah. Just take a look around the immediate area of the gate and be like, ah, well, I guess there's nothing here. <laughs> Just cavemen. Um, cavemen in darkness. Um, actually, how do you think the cavemen could see? Did they cover that? Like, is there a way for the caveman to... Um, I don't think, like, earlier humans had much better night vision. That said, you kind of have to ask the question in any night scene, how diegetic is the darkness? For example, we can see not well, but definitely okay without having like the night vision UI in the episode. So could the characters see that well, where it's just their vision like kind of sucks? Or is it the characters flat out can't see? You know what I mean? Like, are we actually yeah, seeing things kind of interesting. Are, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like they would have, because they made a big deal about how, oh, it's black as night and it's very, you know, uh, like, it's it's almost weirdly dark. And then, uh, yeah, they just have a bunch of cavemen running around in the dark, blind. But uh, anyway, um, they get back, and yeah, after the whole science-military discussion, that Marine, and I could have sworn it was the Marine from earlier, but I could be wrong, was like, he just goes to town on Teal, who barely reacts. <laughs> that was a really funny scene. Teal, yeah, I loved it. Nah, I love Teal. He's just so deadpan. Yeah, it's like the guy. The guy's like so mad, and he like punches Teal, and Teal just catches his fist, and he's like, "I'd really rather not hurt you right now," because it, it's like, and he's like, "But <laughs> because it would be boring." Like, <laughs> it's so fun when someone goes at Teal and just like. Tilk is completely physically unchanged. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely loved that bit. 
Um, and the other guy's like frothing in the mouth, and like Teal'c is just 100% cool as a cucumber. It's kind of funny how um, he's frothing at the mouth and like very much out of it, and the general's just yelling at him, and like the theory is he's drunk. It's one of those like, uh oh, there's a space thing going on moments that the characters are kind of blissfully unaware of. Yeah, that was one of the uh, that was one of the weirdest parts of this because I have that they were like, oh yeah, he was drunk, and it's like, dude, he was frothing at the mouth. He was not like, like if any, drunk. If anything, and you if just... you're looking for normal answers, the answer to that would be the possible rabies. Yeah, exactly. It's like maybe he got maybe he had rabies. Um, but uh, yeah, then somebody else said that. So yeah, the scene after that is like Daniel and Carter talking about how you know i think johnson was his name oh yeah johnson was totally drunk uh that's why he attacked Teal'c. like one of the top military members in all of the in, in the entire of the u.s army is who is posted one of the most top secret military bases ever which has to be like a very serious posting just decided to get lit in the middle of a briefing room. On cue, as they decide that, two guys get in a fight and fall out a window into the gate room. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, man, everyone is drinking too much now. <laughs> it's like those losers in episode one with their, like, solo cups and exploded ruffles. Yeah, exactly. It's a very low bar in Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah, seriously. Low bar and open bar. Yeah, uh... I think that's the title of the episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so then we cut to an aggressive makeout session between Carter and Jack. Yeah, it's the stereotypical woman gets something wrong with her and then kind of goes for the nearest major male character scene. Jack manages to fight her off and then she's in the hospital and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought Jack's reaction was funny. It's like, oh, so this girl made out with me. Okay, she'd better go to the hospital. Um, there was a very good interaction right after that where um, he goes and updates Daniel on the subject, and he just kind of his explanation as to what happened as well. Sam kind of like came on to me, and it was just the perfect way that Daniel said, "Oh." You poor man. Yeah, you poor man. <laughs> yeah, so we get Janet, who is a new character. Yeah, I really like her. I was really excited to see her finally. Yes, me too. Uh, she was always one of my faves. Um, Dr. Crusher actually kinda... put me a lot in mind of Dr. Fraser when I first started watching Star Trek. Really? Yeah. I feel like the resemblance fades the longer you watch either show, but definitely first impression... They seem kind of similar. It might partially be appearance to me too. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know if I necessarily see that. I mean, I guess they are. I mean, I guess they they have similar roles, but I'm not sure. I see like a like a huge level of similarity mm. between their characters. Uh, maybe maybe a a bit actually, because Fraser comes to be like the guardian of some alien girl that they end up finding the girl wesley yeah the oh yes the girl 
Yeah, she calls Teal'c, uh, Mr. Teal'c. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so they're kind of, they're kind of going through, um, they're like looking at like they're, you know, the, the team is like going, being led by Janet Frazier through, you know, some hallways filled with, you know, caged animals, like cavemen devolving into like, you know, base military personnel just devolving into savagery. Um, and this is kind of like a normal, you know, this, this is what happens on a Friday night. Yeah, exactly. It's like a normal day at the office kind of thing. Um, I mean, like on a, on a stressful day, this is like basically what you would see. Yes. She must see some shit there. Yeah. Yeah. We jumped around a tiny bit. So the doctors kind of figured out that it's definitely some kind of virus. It's highly contagious. And the general makes the call to completely shut down the base. Nobody in, nobody out, and an external team outside to fire on anyone who tries to leave. Because they're very worried that this is just sweeping through and they have no idea what to do about it. Yeah, that's got to be a really shitty call to have to make. Uh, hello, Mr. President. Um, we came back through the giant teleportation ring from another planet. And it looks like we brought back a super bad virus that turns everybody into cavemen. Hammond has to make a lot like, of those calls. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I feel like contextually, it's like the president. <laughs> it's like the the president is like at his desk, and it's like the the Hammond phone rings, <laughs> and he just like he just like uh, pours. When the Hammond phone rings, it's either a family fishing trip. Or a world-threatening emergency. Like those are the two things yeah. that Hammond calls you for. Yep, exactly. And yeah, but it's like the president. It's like the Hammond phone rings, so the president just like dumps out like a whole bunch of expensive scotch into <laughs> a like a really nice ornamental glass and just downs the whole thing and then answers <laughs> the phone. Hello. <laughs> what is it this time? Is the it's like. Is the world about to get sucked through the portal into a black hole? You is, know, is this the time where you create a black hole in the gate, or is this the time where someone's attacking your Stargate with an energy beam? Is this one of like the twelve times you brought back a plague? Yep, exactly. Or some sort of horrible monster that escapes the base. But yeah, this time it's this time that's got to be one of the best. It's like, because I can just imagine Hammond saying this, look, uh, Mr. President, some terrible's happened. Um, we, brought we brought back a virus that actually turns you into cavemen, and it's going to, like, it could get out. And then it's just like, there's a long silence. And then the president just starts cracking up and <laughs> starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's it sounds ridiculous. It does. Or or maybe it looked like the it looked like uh, Hammond was like avoiding saying what it does. It's like, well, what kind? Like the president's like, well, what kind of virus is it, General? Like, what does it do? Is it like, is it like the bubonic plague? Is it like, is it like the flu? Is it like Ebola? What is it, General? What does the virus do? And General's like, look. Look, it do, it doesn't matter. It's just a virus, okay? And it's very bad. Just don't come just don't come down here, all right? It's just a virus, all right? I don't you know, just it just it it's just is, okay? It just is a virus. 
<laughs> then it's like I'm pretty sure all the people in Congress already have it. Just it it doesn't you know, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, uh, so that's how that conversation went, or how I like to imagine it went. Uh, and then they end up saying, "Okay, well, uh, Teal'c, you've got the um, you've got the snake in your gut. Who's protecting you from becoming a caveman?" Yeah, it's kind of like the Deus Ex Machina of any kind of disaster. It's like, well, Teal'c is unaffected because he's got symbiote. He's not vulnerable to infection. He can take more radiation. He can endure more. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's a common plot device it really where is. it's always like in in Star Trek. It's like. Uh, yes, well, we have the weird radiation field from the star, and luckily... In Star the Trek, the answer is One data. Vulcan... Yeah, it's like, well, the Vulcan is immune. In this case, or the Borg is immune. Or the Goo-Man or, you is know, immune. This... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in this case, uh, Teal'c is immune. And also Daniel, so who is never... So can we make the tagline of the show um, a podcast not about Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that hits our brand in a couple of ways. Yeah, I think uh, I think it does. <laughs> a podcast not about Star Trek. Um, it's like the yeah, like we kind of would rather be doing a podcast about Star Trek, but the market's kind of already full, <laughs> so we had to do we had to do something else, and this is pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, they go through specifically. Um, Tilk and Daniel get sent through to kind of check stuff out because they're the ones who Doctor Fraser's figured out are just invulnerable. Because Daniel's also invulnerable for a reason that she hasn't quite figured out yet. And they find that uh, first woman that they'd rescued in the beginning, and she is now with touched. Yeah. She's back. Um, she's kind and of now in she's like a stereotypical like, cartoon hillbilly ripped up version of her outfit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, this is really this is really just like walking around in southern Louisiana. Uh, and in this process, uh, Daniel winds up getting taken because they get rushed and everyone's too afraid to go after Tilk and he thinks it's all good, but Daniel just gets completely whisked away behind him without Tilk even realizing yeah, um, Daniel gets um, grabbed. Um, yeah, so yeah, Daniel gets grabbed and then Teal kind of goes and is like, uh, okay, guys, I need a sample of your blood. We're trying to cure this thing. And also my friend was taken. Can you help me go get him back? And they're kind of like, well, um, basically, no. And then they just kind of get needlessly butthurt about things. Yeah, so... I don't really know where that came from. There was a couple things that I didn't really like. I definitely really liked this episode, but there was a couple things that definitely made it not fantastic for me. And one of it was the kind of poor and erratic writing about the Minoans. Because they were just kind of unhelpful and obtuse in a way that doesn't really make sense for a human that isn't three years old. Yeah, I didn't really get that. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, well, why can't you put on the, those uh, clan outfits and grab some rocks and we can head out there? Like, you you know, you 
do it for you. Like we're trying to help you. We might be able to cure this thing there. Anyway, so Teal'c ends up <laughs> taking down a taking down a couple of guards, which was uh, which I thought was funny. Yeah, Tilk beats up a strong man and then gets a sample from one of them. Yep. And meanwhile, we see some kind of drama happening back on the base where Hammond's finally <laughs> infected, and Jack has been apparently the worst patient, as we always see he is when he's a normal human. Yeah, it kind of makes me. It kind of. So he's semi lucid and kind of asking for more sedative. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm not saying? sure how different I would actually be if I got this. Uh, this caveman virus i might it might just be like indetecting indetectable for me be like oh scott you're immune but it's actually i'm not immune i just act like a caveman most of the time but i was actually i was really excited to see what hammond would be like as a caveman but then he was they just put him in a straitjacket and they're like hey this is the leader of the base who should we put him in with you know what let's put him in with the most dangerous um yeah. Like, and he's in a straitjacket it's like yeah let's put our the straitjacketed leader of our base in the most dangerous um, person which didn't make a lot of sense to me but yeah I was also I was disappointed that we didn't get to see General Hammond running around like a you know basically like a monkey I think that would have been great also Teal I would have liked to see Teal was... running around like a monkey too I... I, I always kind of like the kind of story where it starts it starts with like your Picard or your General Hammond and one of the first hurdles is how do we get them out of the way given that technically according to the power structure they can override us. Yeah. But we get something a lot more realistic here with him just kind of being infected. But yeah, I wish we got to see him kind of being the savage. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, big missed opportunity. Uh, maybe there was, there's probably some sort of reason. I just think it would have been funny to get to see even more of the characters in Walter. Can you imagine Walter as a savage? That would be great. Like, think about, like, think (laughs) about all of the, uh, missed opportunities, all the little interactions that could have been had if they just basically had, like, a day in the life of the base if everyone was just an ape except Dr. Frazier, Daniel, and Teal'c, it would have been great. Stargate always goes for really cramped stories, and it often works very well because they can get so much done, but I just feel like they always leave you wanting more because there's so many scenes that feel like they just ought to be there that there wasn't yep. time for. I'm just, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting a scene like uh, Walter closes the iris he's got that palm thing and he like touches it and he closes the iris and then he like uh then he just like opens and closes it a few more times and then he starts jump and then he like starts jumping (laughs) up and down and like making monkey noises and then he just like like (laughs) keeps opening and closing it and then general hammond comes down and like (laughs) and like like this shoves him out of the way and they start arguing over like the like the iris thing. I, I just, I don't know. I think that would have been good. Um, That's better than mine. My thought was that he would get asked to dial something and he'd get like two chevrons in and then just shout no. And Or, or like instead of it. chevron seven locked, he just goes like chevron seven and then just starts losing it. Like <laughs> running around. <laughs> with, with a very, with a very like, yeah, yeah, way. exactly. <laughs> 
Walter, <laughs> what's Chevron 7? Um, <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Daniel gets beat up. Uh, that... Yeah, we basically have the ominous two seconds letting us know that he's alive, but he's doing bad. Yeah. They also kind of vaguely foreshadowed, or retroshadowed this, because you might notice Daniel was suffering a little bit from allergies when they first went through the gate room. So they're kind of, they didn't really draw attention to it, but they're definitely signaling that he hadn't taken his allergy medication. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, and then they're also, yeah, they're... Uh talking about histamines or histamine lytics or whatever. And Janet ends up discovering from the blood that Teal'c brought back um, that these guys eat, like, they, they have, like, a Benadryl plant or something that uh, they eat. Um, so, which would suck. Can you imagine if, like, everything you ate had some Benadryl in it? You'd just be constantly tired. But, yeah, the cure is Benadryl. <laughs> Which is great. Can you imagine then, then General Hammond calls back. He's like, all right, we figured it out, Mr. President. Um, Please send us six. Yeah, exactly. So we found a cure to the caveman plague. Um, we're going to need all of the Benadryl that you can find. So, like, I'm saying, like, go to, you know, go to, like, a few different Costco's and buy all of their, like, all of their like drums of Benadryl <laughs> and bring it back. It's it's actually not just for our planet. It's also for uh, you know an entire other planet as well. Like imagine all of China has is you know has allergies and we have to cure them. Um. So yeah. You know I get pretty I get pretty miserable when I have an allergy problem. I guess this is just taken to the extreme extreme. Yeah. So O'Neill takes it, and then he's trying to get let out, and Teal'c is being kind of troll. He's like, oh, O'Neill, how do I know it's you, though? Yeah, there's one of those very good things where Jack cracks a joke that Teal'c doesn't understand, and because Teal'c doesn't understand it, he thinks there's something <laughs> yeah. wrong with Jack. Yep. We get a lot of those little <laughs> Yeah, moments. he's like, just over the fucking door, Teal'c. Come on, man. <laughs> so then, then they go back to the other... Um, they all go back, and they, they have their dart guns full of Benadryl. Yeah, the base returns back to normal super quickly. Like, the base goes... They go from um, Jack is given the treatment and they leave the room to the base is entirely back to normal in, like, eight seconds. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's, yeah, it's so like, quick. oh, okay. As soon There's as like they, as soon as they t um, take their Benadryl, they're totally fine. They're just uncavemaned. Like, what? They're, it's like they take Benadryl and then, like, that unibrow thing grows back into their head like um yeah so i can i can definitely speak from experience that you don't just have hair follicles disappearing once they're grown like that's that's not what happens they might get their personality back but now daniel has the world's worst unibrow for the rest of his life and he better always yeah, yeah. It. uh yeah that really is too bad for daniel um but so he, we go back to the planet and we see probably one of the best things that I've ever seen. Um, like one of the best scenes. And it's Daniel holding the giant bone. It's, he's like literally <laughs> holding a comically huge giant red bone with his new girlfriend who's also holding a comically huge giant red bone that are definitely plastic. 
and they're just wearing a bunch of furs and they're bouncing up and down. <laughs> and keep in mind that that like Michael Shanks, the actor that plays Daniel, is like a big time, like uh, well, not big time, big time, but like he's like a classy actor. He's like Mister. He he's like Mister Shakespeare, Broadway theater man. And they're <laughs> and they're like okay. You're gonna wear this. You're gonna wear this fur, and you're gonna hold this giant plastic bone, and you're gonna bounce up and down and make monkey sounds with this chick over here. And I, I can just imagine the look on his face. Like, are you, got, are you fucking kidding me? And like, and I just, I just, I just imagine he's like, uh, he's like uh, making the grunting noises and bouncing a little bit. And then the director's like, no, 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 cut, cut, cut. I need more bouncing and more grunting. Like you're, <laughs> like you're, you're angry and you're hungry, you know. You're and you have this this bone, you know. You're, you know, you know, like just just think like more, uh, you know, more grunting and and much more bouncing. Um, so and then they like start it again, and then like Jack has to like <laughs> go through like the the whole team has to restart. Nobody's really wants to say anything to Daniel because they, they, you know, they get it. It's kind of stupid, but anyway, that remains to be one of one of the coolest um, scenes. That's that's quite. Yeah, shot, I thought sure. that was, and that was definitely like the "Who's your guy?" moment. It was definitely Daniel right there. That was absolutely it. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, Jack roasts Daniel because he's like, you know, well, at this point, you're going to have a grill on every planet because Daniel's the chick magnet. Um, and then we kind of get uh, the Minoans, like, they, they go back to the Minoans and they're like, hey, we cured a bunch of your people. Let's go back. And it, and it kind of was like seeing a bunch of zombies, zombie-type people, like, walking out of a nightclub because they they've all just been being savages for a while and now they're walking back out into the light all just kind of shambling. I've been downtown two or three times when the bars close and I would say that the savagery goes up not down when people walk <laughs> Yeah, actually, light. I guess I guess you're probably right. But anyway, they're all, you know, tired out from being cavemen and like it's kind of a nice thing where it's like, "Oh, dad, you're alive." And this whole time he was he was like being a caveman, which is <laughs> anyway. I that's I don't know. That's kind of funny. So I, I guess apparently, what what did the team just say? Like, so I guess if you're trying to reintegrate with society, you kind of hand out your resume. It's like, well, 2007 to 2019 occupation yeah. caveman. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was uh, touched for a while there um and yeah can you imagine there would definitely be a like a stigma against that for sure my skills <laughs> yeah exactly um but i liked uh the thing is they can all remember i think so they can they can remember like you know two like two guys um that end up you know getting a job at the same office and they used to be cavemen to, they used to be cavemen together like back in the day and like they can remember like hitting each other with giant bones uh over the hottest cave woman and stuff and you know really you know it's just and the and the thing is and then they kind of reflect on how their new office is just like that it's the same thing it's just with slightly more finesse <laughs> 
Where's that follow-up episode? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. The Minoans are brought up a couple more times, though, um, as like places to put refugees and stuff later. So this isn't like the last we've heard of uh, the the Minoans and their touched um, kind of lifestyle. So I guess I guess the team basically just says like, yeah, you got to eat more Benadryl. Like whatever you're eating that has Benadryl in it, like eat more of that. Yeah, and then it's more or less solved. Yeah, there, there you go. End of the episode, heartfelt music into Fade to yeah, Black. Exactly. So, yeah, my favorite guy was definitely Daniel um, when he was holding his bone, uh, bouncing up and down. I thought that was awesome. Uh, what about what about you? <laughs> I kind of want to revisit the question of, like, what's the criteria? Because I would pick two different scenes. Are we going for who's, like, the... Out of, out of place, not acting properly person, or are we going for the I identify the most with this person? Um, man. Like, is, is it the I identify with this person, or is it the drunk Shimoda? I think, I I think it's more of the drunk Shimoda. Okay, so mine is absolutely Daniel. You poor man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the nerve of him. <laughs> It's, it's like also with the pause before he's very carefully thinking about what's the maximum impact he can have yep. to sass with Jack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we defined the criteria for the gang gets captured as two or more, but we have someone else get captured. And by the way, like it's basically always Daniel. It almost deserves its own countersign because it's just... Yeah, Daniel, actually, you know what? Let's start a counter on that. Daniel gets captured because he does get captured an awful lot. So, hang on, let me get my uh, counter page out. So is the count just Daniel gets captured or Daniel is captured in any way, shape, or form? Because they could both be pretty large because he also is the only one Let's captured. Let's do... We got to do one for the team gets captured by, like, an alien force. Let And... Let's get uh, Daniel gets captured also. Um, just Daniel. So I think this is the first time, right? I'm not sure if I'm missing um, Yeah, I think this is his first solo yeah, capture. I think, uh, I, think, I think so. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, d uh, did you... Did you like this episode, Val? I liked it, but... I was I was a tiny bit disappointed because I feel like I was oversold it. Like it was definitely a three, maybe four out of five for me, and I was definitely expecting a five out of five. Yeah, I think I think if we like rationally look at it, it would be like a three. But for I just love I just love the premise. Like the premise yeah, the is game quite good. turns into cavemen. I think every TV show should do that. Um, because I, I don't know, I just, I just find... Yep. TNG did it. I don't know. I, I think about this a lot, um, or this concept a lot, of how, I don't know, how close we are to just animals. Um, and I thought, uh, this episode did actually a pretty good job of exploring it. But mostly it's just funny to think about how, like, a lot of, a lot of our behavior on a day-to-day -day basis is just very ape-like. So coming up next, we have the first commandment, and apparently it's too obscure for Wikipedia to even have a description of it. 
Yeah, we have a, a commander acts as god on a planet polluted with solar radiation. Interesting. I don't recall the specific episode, but I do recall the theme of like a couple times someone from SG will go rogue and try to play go old or something. I think Commander X is God. I think this is the one where a bunch of people have like Easter Island heads. Is this the one where there's the malfunctioning weather because someone's lost like the control sphere or is that a different one? Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe the solar radiation is because he messed, yeah, the, the, the commander god guy messed with the control sphere or something. I don't remember if I like this episode or not. I sort of remember it. I don't, I don't remember it well enough. I'm going to err on the side of saying that it's probably, I suspect I found it decent, but not great. That's kind of my average yeah. for most of season one. Yeah, um, I guess we'll find out.